this is Droid Bishop, and you are listening to The Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. All right, welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. Uh, we have a very special guest this episode, Baldo Caster. Welcome to the show. What's that? Uh, wow, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and short notice, too. And short notice. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Paradise underscore Arcade. We are on Instagram at The Paradise Arcade. Also, we have a vinyl Instagram page, The Paradise Arcade Vinyl. Paradise Arcade Vinyl. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> Omit the the. the. Okay, the the. We're also on Facebook, and you can find our episodes on all of your platforms of choice. Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. So whatever works for you. Anyway, so thank you for coming on, David. Uh, you have been um, on some pretty hot stuff, and you've got, have an album out, um, and it's really good. I was actually listening to that today, and so really, what I wanted to talk about uh, just to start off is how did you get into the scene or, or where you've arrived as far as musically goes. Um, in terms of this project, probably I had always kind of listened to I, I guess a lot of the music that inspired this like think more older like i i feel like everybody loves like daft punk and justice and stuff like that like the lot mostly the french stuff I um, do. like yeah. my whole life yeah. um french touch yeah french touch and then all the tangerine dream and all, jean-michel jarre a lot of the older like more 70s stuff um and soundtracks i always loved that but i was kind of in rock bands and i played guitar and then I just felt like it kind of got to a dead end. Like, I'm not I'm not going to go be a studio musician. I don't care enough to, like, get crazy good to where you're that in demand. And I was like, I've always been about, like, writing songs and stuff. And it just felt like, I just kind of felt like everything had been done on guitar. I was like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I bothering doing all this? And, I, and so I just sort of stopped being in bands for a few years. And then after hearing, I started listening to some of the earlier uh i guess synthwave sort of artists um for a while but i never really thought about starting to make it even though i i had listened to a lot of music like that my whole life um and then i think i heard wave shaper and then i was like okay i need to do this i need to like figure out i it was a it was like within a month of each other i heard wave shaper and then my friend who plays very different music but he got an old juno uh and i went and i played it and i was like i need this and then i like scoured craigslist across the country and like drove seven hours to go get one from new york city uh oh okay that's dedication and then it begun because that was right around the time they were starting to skyrocket in price and i kind of i was like i can't afford this if it's like over a thousand dollars um and so and then that that begun it and so you you obviously you come from a much more traditional um you know music background then and it made the transition Mm -hmm. Uh, being influenced and that and that seems to be really a, a commonality is 
I have yet to hear someone being self-referential to influences like this. This synthwave art has really got me into it. it. It's more like consistently like, you know, John Carpenter, Evangelist, Tangerine Dream, yeah, yeah. or, you know, film scores. I think scores. that's a good thing because when you start like cannibalizing the currents, I mean, everyone's going to be inspired by current stuff. Like I love obviously Wave Shaper, uh, Makeup and Vanity Set and Pilot Priest and people like that. Um, and then some people are my friends, but I feel like you're, you're spinning, you're going in circles. You're like the Ouroboros, just a snake eating his <laughs> right. tail. You're not going to go anywhere when you start, everyone starts being influenced by that. Um, so I think it's good that people like draw from all kinds of wild different shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost seems like it's the Renaissance. I know. And I think it was a, a Jay from blood music said like in 2013, they were, they were thinking like, where else could this scene go? Um, but that I feel was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. He said that, and and I feel like now, like there's so much good stuff being released all of the time. It's almost impossible to keep up with it. And you know, again, for the most part, it's people being influenced by things of old. And it, it, this, the variation that comes out of it, you know, like listening to your album, like you know, like I hear the overall, like how it attaches to the scene. But I was really surprised, like just overall, like it's still very distinct and it has a very unique voice to it. So, you know, it's, I like that, you know, right now on the scene. And I mean, how many albums came out last year and how many are coming out this year? Just in the All scene? of them. All of them. Thousands. Every, thousands. <laughs> I feel sorry for like the YouTube channel guys that just are probably just under an avalanche of submissions. Uh, They're just all throwing it into one thing. Yeah. Boner jams, 2020. <laughs> it's, uh, here you go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel sorry for someone, you know, that's starting out because, like, how do you even cut through the noise? Even, like, you know, you have your tiers of folks, you know, the, the people that are just starting out or, and whatnot, but how do you even find a voice? And maybe it's just me, like, thinking that scene is bigger than what it is, but I find it harder to keep up with this scene than, say, like, releases in other genres of music. At this point in time, I don't even listen to anything else. Oh, well. It's it's all this. It's all that I could focus my energy on because there's so much new stuff coming out. Yeah, for sure. And then finding stuff I didn't know about. Like, I feel like I've got my finger on the pulse of most of what Synthwave stuff is coming out. And I feel embarrassed that I had not known about your music until I got Dream Electric 2. It, oh yeah, and then I was completely surprised because, as I have said many times, your track "It Lives" is by far the absolute hottest track on that entire <laughs> compilation. Thank you, and that is actually a fact because I remember when you heard that and you were telling me about it, and you're just like, "Baldo Caster, this fucking thing is hot. I love this song." It's just like, and it was such a surprise. It's like, how did I not know about this artist? How had I not heard anything before? And why am I just now hearing about it? So, like, for the people listening, um, by chance, I had just posted a thing. Like, I had put a bunch of new parts in one of my turntables. And the very first thing that I played on it after I got the sum of all the parts put together was your track. Because I knew that was so good. And this would be, like, (laughs) the judge of how well everything turned out. I posted it. And you're like, oh, hey. I'm on there, and that that's what led to the interview here that we've got going on right now. So thank you for 
yeah. replying a and then coming onto the show. I mean, this like this is a, a big deal for me. Yeah, I'm fanboying over here. <laughs> I'm very very I, guilty. Yeah, I, th- of I mean, that. I think I saw it and I was like, oh, that's I have that record type, and I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> I'm on that. Oh, I'm on this record. Yes, that's me. That's funny. Um, so how did you get hooked up with Laserdisc Records? No, 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 not no, Laser no. Electric Dream. Electric Dream. Uh, that for that compilation, I think they just. I followed them on Facebook because I liked oh. a lot of the. They had done you know, the first one had a bunch of crazy people on it, and then they had done some pressings of makeup and vanity set. Gotcha. And other people, and so I just they had a little open submission for like a month. Am I confused because started. your album was actually on laser discs, like your proper album? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I got confused. Moonrise. Moonrise. Yeah. Which is a yeah, real... and I mean the way it seems like a lot of smaller labels like there's no multi-album deals like you're not tied down to work with anybody it's kind of on an album basis like you make one and then you take it somewhere and that seems to be how most of the ones in this scene work like so i i can go do stuff with other labels and it's not not a big deal in in a way i suppose that's really actually kind of freeing because you know if something a good opportunity comes up or something cool you you're not bound because i i know that there is a label which i will not name Got a little bit of a, a little bit of a bad rap because they they kind of you know stilted the the artists and uh, when they were first starting up and got them a bad rap. So you know I like that seems to be the overall theme. Like I know that you know it's a it's a one and done. And if they like what you do, you just keep working with them. And if it works out, then you're good to go. But you're not like bound where you've got to release five albums no. in this and you many get years the, i mean usually with most of them you, you even get the rights back after two or three years uh so it's not as really it's just a trade-off of okay i'm gonna lose half the money but I, i'm personally i don't really care about the money i just want to i just want like a label to get to maximum exposure so that's the yeah the trade um but at the end of the day in two or three years you'll get it all back and then be able to shop it somewhere else if you want yeah, like if I, you know, Laserdiscs doesn't do a crazy amount of vinyl, so uh, I think I, if I want, I can get the physical rights back in like August of this year, and I could take it somewhere if I wanted to press vinyl. Please, would album. you? Uh, that would be cool. Uh, that <laughs> was yeah, the I, first thing. I would like to see that. And I've got, I mean, it's nothing set in stone, but there are talks of vinyl for uh, a little, something that's not out yet uh, with another label, but that'd, that'd be cool. That'd be very exciting. Because, like, the first thing I heard, thought of, like, when I was listening to the album was, like, this needs to be on vinyl. I want it, I want to have the experience on that platform. It just seems to lend itself really well, in my imagination, to it. So, um, I, and I was really surprised because I was looking for it. I'm like, I want to buy this on vinyl. I need it right now. And it's not there. Yeah, I'd re- that's one, that album, I'd really like to see. The void needs to be filled. Yeah, please. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> Some of our homies out and some of the labels get it done. So in our brief uh, Facebook conversation that we had, you said you were really interested to hear feedback about your track that is on Electric Dream, Dream Electric 2. And you said, you know, because it's quite different than what, you know, you have had. So it's, it is different than what's on Moonrise. Mm-hmm. And it was just such like a limited, like it's only on vinyl and they only did whatever, three or five hundred copies it so it's, you can't hear it online so i really haven't heard anybody tell me anything about it other, other than you and that's that's the release you know that's it's a good thing at one 
at like one point and it's a bad thing at another because it's like I want to share this with people and if they're not like in the room with me I can't be like you have to yeah. hear this track because it's mind blowing but it's also cool because it's like this is very exclusive and you know it it completely reminds me of like when Red Rush Records released the finish line and you know that's a compilation also and that was like mm-hmm. one of the very first ones for synthwave stuff to come out and it was like hey here's all these tracks and almost all of them you are only going to hear on this record. So it, it it's cool in both ways. But, like, Eric, he hasn't heard the track. I want him to hear it. He hasn't heard it yet. He doesn't know about it. He doesn't know how amazing it is. <laughs> so it's like, it, and then, you know, going back to what I was saying about how, you know, it's different than some of your other music. Uh, what what led to that? Or what was the, what were you thinking? Like, um, do you want to do something different for this? So that that one was I was in the middle of writing the second album, which is about to come out next month. Oh, hell yeah. In February. Um, And it just didn't really fit the rest of the stuff. Like, it's a weird like in my mind uh, when I wrote the first kind of two sections, I was like, this is hilarious. It sounds like like Godzilla coming out of the ocean. Um, That's why it's called (laughs) It Lives. Um, That's like the entire point of the song is it's just like Godzilla. Um, But. I, I sort of struggled with the structure of it and I most usually in most of my songs I try to have um, like build and have catharsis and there are themes and they come in and they come out and they combine and do different things like I don't just have a part and kind of come in drums in and out and just have it go for five minutes I try to like I never repeat a section unless it feels like it should it's got to have an arc and that one was just like a little weird for me um, but everyone I played it for liked it, so I was like, "All right, fuck it, I'll just I'll send it for this compilation." Uh, that's kind of why it was there. I'm, I am so glad you did. <laughs> it's just kind of a bunch of like wild stuff happening. Like it's really weird uh, structurally, but I, I I think I like it, uh, given some distance from it. So do you? So how do you approach your songwriting style? Is it because it almost sounds a little cinematic? What you're doing, as far as like, you know, it it moves, it, it tells a story in a way. Um, as opposed to what you're saying, like drums, uh, you know, whatever saxophone for five mm-hmm. minutes and then drums out, you know, like, so like, are you, well, what, in uh, my mind, there's, there's sort of, it's weird. Like electronic music songwriting seems to be very different than other genres, but in my mind, there's sort of two styles. There's traditional songwriting, but with electronic songs, which is kind of just what I do where I have sections and it, you know, it changes up a lot. I'm pretty right impatient and i get bored like and i think people get bored if they're listening to my same part and i don't like mix it up or have it build or drop down or stuff like that um and then there's like more traditional electronic songs where like it's like the daft punk thing where you introduce an idea and you just bring in and out layers and that works amazingly well like some of my favorite music is that but i am like physically incapable of making interesting songs like that like i'm bad at it it's interesting <laughs> so i end up just doing it the other way it's interesting you say that because, like, when I listen to it, I'm like, "This is amazing." You know, I mean, it, it really like, it's shocking. You know, one of the things that came through very clear is just the the production value of it. It just is mastered well. It sounds really good, and you could really, you know, because we're mostly an independent scene, uh, mm-hmm. and and the the mastering levels or the the sound quality is so you know varies so widely, and you know, I think like. Mm-hmm your album like just cut it's just really clean sounds really good um 
And I don't know where I was going with that. That's just mostly a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. We can give those. I would agree. Yes. Yeah, that's that's. that's I mean, and that's something I struggle with. Like I'm, re- I'm more than the like I, I tend to not be super. I don't have a lot of problems writing music. I am like I crush myself over production. Um, like I feel like I'm very bad at it, and I just I throw out ninety percent of everything I do because of production. Uh, but. <laughs> So thank you. It's crazy to me. Okay, I mean, you know, again, you don't necessarily know how the sausage is made, but the the final product yeah. is amazing, whatever it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? The sausage. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's good to hear that that's like a point enough to where you would bring it up, you know, rather than it just being like, yeah, it's good enough. Because uh, that's my goal is I just want it to be good enough to where it doesn't get in the way of, you know, people enjoying the music. Yeah, for sure. I think like a commonality is like. Being an electronic musician myself, not to your level even mm-hmm. by any stretch, but like, you know, the problem with making things really muddy, you start adding layers and other instruments and, and trying to figure out how they all balance with one another is yeah. really difficult. And, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on and it's still very. <laughs> it's too much. You know, it is not. It's really great and it, there's a clarity to it. So, like, I, that's one of the things that I, you know, immediately picked out is like, you know, like completely different genre, but like Aphex Twin, like mm-hmm. he's got so much stuff going on in his music. It's almost like almost noise, but it's so clear and so like yeah, clean at the same time. Uh, it's it's impressive. Mostly is what I'm trying to say. So it's one of the things that I picked up right away. Yeah, thank you. Impressed boy. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely <laughs> impressed. So are you? You know, having been you know carried through the influence that led you to where you are. Are there other things like, are you a big fan of like eighties movies or like, are you like, uh, you, you're talking about, you know, pressing vinyl. Do you have an affinity for mm-hmm. physical media or, uh, yeah. I mean like a reason it's not, I'm not like crazy. I don't have tons of vinyl, but I enjoy the, like, it's sort of like a little ritual and just having the art that big. Um, it's fun. It truly is a ritual. It's like, I yeah. should start lighting candles and stuff when Seriously. I start playing records. <laughs> you should get, like, my a, altar like, like of a, vinyl. Yeah, it's like a Ouija board. I mean, and it. I think the thing about it in today's day is it. I'm, like, a person who I kind of always have to be doing something, and I have a short commute to work, so I don't get a whole lot of music listening time except when I, like, sit down and force myself to do it. And that's what vinyl does. Like, you sit down and you the activity you're doing is listening to music, which I think is, is great. It is unlike streaming. Like you are forced to be a part of it. You can't just put mm-hmm. it on, click it, like go. You have to be yeah. involved. You have to pay attention. You have to know when to flip the record. You're into it. Yeah. I mean, you have, it's the only thing you're doing. I mean, you could do other things cause you know, roughly like how long a side of a record is going to be, but yeah, for the most part, you are actively engaged in it, which there seems to be a, a, a whole group of people that really seek that simplicity, I suppose. Instead of like, you're playing on your phone, you're watching TV, you've got YouTube playing, you're doing like yeah. three other things in the background, and then you're also trying to have a conversation with somebody else. Like, there's just too much stuff. And I think I, I really like vinyl because it's, or listening to music on vinyl because it's it's so clear and you're, you're engaged in it. 
And also another thing that it does, if you have someone with you too, it'll also shut them up. <laughs> like if someone's like, hey, you know, like introduce me to some cool music or play something, play this or like, yeah. you know, you were talking about this. Can you play it for me? I have found that doing it that way for people, if I have people over and I play a record for them, they tend to shut the hell up <laughs> and not try to have a conversation with me when it's going on. But if I say pulled it up on, you know, a streaming service like Tidal or YouTube or something like that, I'll put it on and they'll just start talking. And it's like it's not even going and it doesn't register with them. Um, I can tell you that's one of the most soul-crushing things when you're, as a musician, playing a track to someone for feedback in person. And you put it on, and then they just start talking. Oh, yes, over that's the it. worst. It's, it's like, like oh, shut thanks. up. <laughs> just listen to it. Just listen, damn it. That's funny. Kyle, god damn it. You're hilarious. Um, it's 100% true. I just call them like I see them. That, that is what I have noticed when uh, showing music to it, people. It is. I, I don't know. If, introducing, introducing them to new music. You don't really show it. I mean, with the record, you could show them all the artwork and it's nice and big. And they have to, mm -hmm. you know, they can pay attention to it moving around the plate. So, uh, yeah, that's, well, and it's like a magical thing when you see a record spinning. Like, it's like, is this like, it's kind of mesmerizing. Like, it's magic happening. It is like alchemy mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is this witchcraft? <laughs> So you've got, you said you're releasing a new album very soon. Um, yes. What can probably we... Probably going to be announced in the next few days. I mean, this podcast will probably be out by then. No, it won't be. Yeah. Not even close. You This will this podcast will be out in like... Or it won't be out. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got it. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the, the album and what to expect and, and kind of what your thought process was with it? Yeah, so this second album, it's probably, I mean, if there's any reference point of anything I've put out, it would be that song from the Dream Electric compilation. Um, uh, sonically, it's sort of in that area. Uh, like a little more modern, modern, a little more French. Okay. Um, you really speak in my language right now. <laughs> yeah, like I think I was listening to, I was referencing a lot of like Oliver and uh, stuff like that. Um, uh and it's kind of, it's been so long since <laughs> since I made it. It's hard to think about. Like, I finished it in May. Um, and then I sort of sat on it because I didn't know how I felt about it. Um, but we're putting it out now. Because um, it just took, it took much longer than the first one. I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. And so I was starting to be really critical of things that just didn't matter. Um, and I got too into it. And I just had to, like. I finished it, got it done, and I just kind of put it on a shelf for like three or four months and didn't listen to it. And then um, coming back, obviously, you appreciated it more. Yeah, yeah. Coming back, I, I was like, what was I thinking? I'm stupid. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and it's like very, very like, it's less, I, I guess if the first album was like very spacey, I, I mean, it's probably still spacey to everybody else. But to me, it's more a little more grounded, a little more uh, modern. Yeah. Okay. And it's about, I guess, very loosely, the vibe is a desert journey. If the first one was hilarious moon stuff, uh, this one's like... <laughs> moon hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did get the space vibe out of it, for sure, on Moonrise. It yeah, that's, I guess that just come, that's just a vibe that I have in everything I do, it seems to be. Now, you, so, yeah, it's coming out soon. 
I'll definitely be looking forward to that. You mentioned mm-hmm. driving seven hours to get a Juno synthesizer. Like, do you have a favorite piece of gear that you use? Like something you uh, couldn't do without? It's probably the Juno. Yeah, it was the first one I got. It's what I learned on. And it's just like a, it's like an amazing classic synth. And it just does everything very well. Like it could, of all the, equi- I mean, equipment's fun, like, but you don't really need it. Like if I could right. kind of sell everything I have and still make the same music, but if I could keep one, it would be the Juno because it can do, like I can do bass and chords and melodies and arps and I could kind of do all the things I want to do with it. I think. So do you start out in hardware and then transition to digital as you're assembling a song, or like how does your usually? Uh, probably. I mean, Moonrise was probably like fifty percent hardware, fifty percent plugin stuff. Uh, this new one's. Maybe a little more hardware, and then the stuff I've been doing recently is almost all hardware. But I mean, it just depends on like how I'm writing. But I'll usually, yeah, you're right. I'll start on, I'll just like pull, pull up the synth in front of me and just like come up with an idea. And then digital stuff is nice because it just it doesn't take up a lot of room and it'll fill in spots around. Right, right. And then you're you know you're assembling everything together, and uh, is it? Yeah. I mean is songwriting pretty quick for you overall is it do things ideas come together and then like you hate them initially and have to come back to them or (laughs) no usually it's pretty quick like i generally have a thing where i'll start one song and you know i'll work on it a little bit you know maybe half a day or two or three hours and see if i like it and then if i don't it's trash but if i like it then i am working on that song until it's done and it like that's all I can think about and I can't hang out with people. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it sucks. Um, otherwise, cause, and then if I lose momentum, then I usually just never like it. So I kind of have to finish it in a week or two, usually probably two weeks average. Um, that's, I mean, that's a pretty quick turnaround actually. Cause I know, um, like... but it's, you know, there's lots of breaks between that, you know, or like I'll start it and then I won't be able to work on anything for a week. Um, so stuff spreads out, but I've had, like, I started a song, I think in the middle of December that I have just been unable to finish, and I'm probably about to just abandon it. Because <laughs> like, I'm just like, mm, too long. So is it like, uh, is it because like, it just, it's missing something? Or like... I just I think I just lose mo- momentum. Interesting. You're, you use the momentum, you it's get not, the... It's not that it's bad. And I'm, and it's funny, because I'm not, I feel like I'm not a quick worker. Like, other people just put out albums all the time. I think I just take lots of breaks between songs and, uh, but when I'm, when it's on, it's on. And I I try to like hammer it in and finish it. Yeah. We're talking to Occam's laser and he was like, yeah, I used to release six albums a year. And we're like, Oh, I don't know how people do that. That's too many. (laughs) It's way too many. And he was lamenting that he only releases two, two a year. And I'm like, dude, yeah. Settle down. I mean, everyone's different. I don't think there's any right way. Like you shouldn't, I've for a little while I was putting pressure on myself because I wasn't, you know, it had been uh, a certain amount of time since I finished the first album and I hadn't finished another edit, but it's, I think that's stupid. Like, you should like it and then put it out and have it be good. It's better to put out one good album every three years, like Wave Shaper, than put out, like, eight. Um, right. But if you can be yeah. good, I know plenty of people like Makeup and Vanity Set puts out a million albums a year and they're all better than anything I'll ever do. <laughs> I don't know if I would share that opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I am a I am a little... huge fan, and I own quite a few makeup and vanity set albums. But I would say that 
maybe that's not a fair comparison. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Um, so, you know, we're talking about some contemporary folks and whatnot. Um, do you, like, coming into the scene, mm-hmm. is it, how is it, how do you perceive it versus other things that you've done? You know, you're uh, coming from other parts of the musical world into this. Mm-hmm. What's your experience overall? Like, what do you, how do you feel about the synthwave scene and, and what it's done for you up to this point? Uh, it's been awesome. I mean, this is by far the most successful musical project I've ever had. And it's nice being able to, <clears throat> I'm sort of a control freak, so being able to at least musically do all this stuff myself and, you know, be a one-man band where you don't have to have a drummer and, you know, round up people for practice. And just, like, the the rock scene is hard. It's tough. Like, it's all about playing live, and there's kind of a chasm. Like, in Synthwave, or in just electronic music, internet music, where you're Spotify, internet-based, like, it's all... There's a gradient, you know, from people who are small to, like, me to, like, people who are medium to people who are bigger, even within our scene, like mm. the, the Robert Parkers and the Wave Shapers, and yeah. then to, like, massive, like, Midnight, Dead Mouse. There's a strong gradient, and you can, like, work your way up. But when you're coming, like, in sort of other more traditional music, there's just it's there's not <laughs> it's kind of crushing until it's suddenly not because something happens you know right and it's more what what's that saying it's like it's hard work and luck like intersecting yeah. and that's success where it seems like and maybe because of this scene is a lot smaller overall because you think about mm-hmm. how many people pick up a guitar and start playing wonderwall like well i don't know it yeah. seems like there's just like billions that's... of new new artists popping up which is isn't a bad thing but it's it's, like you were saying earlier it's probably harder to get heard um i think i came in probably right in the last like few months before it got super hard yeah i mean Um, the the thing still is yeah the thing i feel bad about is like i want to be supportive of the scene and 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 help everyone out because that's i think one of the big hallmarks of the scene is just there's an overall uh, big positivity amongst everyone and support of what everyone's doing but like I can't get to everything now. You know, people send us stuff to listen to or whatever. And, and it's just like, I want to get to it, but like life and all this other stuff. And, and so I kind of feel bad for them. And, and I, I will get to, we'll get to like, you know, these folks and listen to the music because I'm excited about it. And that's the other thing is like, I feel like I'm missing out because like, I don't have time necessarily to listen to the newest thing or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad. And, and that seems to be the overall response is like this scene, like you come from different things and this is the overall the best experience that anyone's ever had mm-hmm. being a musician, releasing music. Um, I know some people put together full bands and that seems really hard. You know, like, I mean, I've been there, done that. It's, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try to do it with one other person and that's hard. <laughs> one other person no way yeah yeah just one other person is too much for me yeah and there's just i mean there's like way more avenues to have people find your music uh this way you know where it's mm-hmm. internet based there's just all these channels and like there there was none of this like when i was in a band it was like go play a show and maybe those people will care but I, there's probably nobody there and they probably won't <laughs> did you ever have any success like what was the what was the high watermark when you were doing other types of music, did you did you even brush 
success at all or recognition? That sounds like kind of a dick question. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, like, we have one guy who's like, you know, he's like, I one of our songs got on Gossip Girl. Like, you know, which is kind of funny. But yes, my rock song got on Gossip Girl. But screw that. Let's do synthwave music. Hold on. He's clicked out here. Oh. You're back. Yes. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So, um, yeah, we had a little technical difficulty there. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is <laughs> your name. Where does Baldo Caster come from? Uh, <laughs> it was a panic. Uh, I It was my Instagram name. And I, <clears throat> back, way back, I guess when I started probably three years ago, um, new Retrowave, they just had open submissions whenever, and you could send it in, and it said, hey, even if we don't post it, we'll, we give feedback to every single thing that everyone sends. Um, and so I just made, it was probably the first or second, maybe third track I ever made after I got, you know, synths, and I sent it in just wanting feedback. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'll post this on our, like, sub-channel. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> And so I, I just, it was my Instagram name because I'm bald and, uh, <laughs> and I was super, in, I was, uh, super under guitars. Um, and I had a Telecaster, so it was just bald. It all makes <laughs> sense no, now. It's no fancy space story. It's just, you know, name. I was almost going like a D and D kind of reference. Like I, I didn't know if you're like, you were like super geeking out, like, but Baldo caster is hilarious. <laughs> That's an, a, no, and it'd be like I've always thought it might have cost me. You know, people probably look at it and think it's stupid. Um, no, but I was there was a point where before I put out the first album, I was like, well, if there's a time to change it, now is it? And everyone I know told me not to. Yeah, don't. Um, it was a great because it's kind of. I mean, it's tongue in cheek. Like it doesn't take itself seriously. Um, I, I didn't want to be any of like the very like cliche Miami night. 19 whatever. Yeah, don't put a year uh, in it that it's like 83 and like or with, like, with the grid yeah. and the sun. I didn't I kind of I kind of try to avoid all the super cliche stuff. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I was Appreciate like I was that. like fuck it. It's it's wild. Unless you release a a humor EP where it's all the clichés <laughs> in one like on the album cover it's like a a sun in the background, a sunset and you know like a end grid. End grid like all that stuff. That that might be funny. Um, but then you might, that might be the thing yeah. that gets you really famous. So you might want to not do that. That's true. And yeah. there's a time when that wasn't cliche, you know, so a lot of the first people that did it, like Miami Nights 1984, at the time it wasn't cliche. Um, right. But it's become, unfortunately. Yeah. It's interesting, like how that, like that, that particular thing is the thing. That... How is it that year? It's like 84 and 83. 84. Are the ones that everyone yeah. picks. Because everyone in the scene is of a very, now 83 is either the year you're born or a year of significance in your life. And that just seems to be the thing. I, and it's fine. I mean, some people are into that. Like I'm not, I'm not bashing. Um, for me, I feel like avoiding that is going to, make whatever i do maybe age a bit better in 10 years people aren't going to look at it and it'll kind of be its own thing hopefully you, i don't know i don't think um, you're going to land on like the the top 10 most cliche things of whatever no. synthwave <laughs> hopefully list. not it's working yeah it's, it's working, working well it. okay 
and I'm actually still kind of stuck on like how you created the name. Like that's I really, really <laughs> yeah. I, I like, really yeah. I really appreciate it. Actually, I think like if there's any way like divine a name, like man, that's the sweet spot right there. Because it, it just sounds more than what you did with it. Like the listener can infer whatever they want with that name. Mm-hmm. That's usually I usually avoid that question. Like if I do an Instagram thing and people ask me. I'll just kind of make a joke because um, uh, people in their minds might have an actual cool idea. Uh, I think it'll not, still not lend itself that it is. to that. That's, you know, you're, you're fine. You outed yourself. Yeah. Thank that. you for revealing. Yeah. Your, uh, yeah. show. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, but you know, we're, we're both really excited for your second album. That's one of the things that we're talking thank about uh, before the technical glitch. And, you know, I mean, it's just right around the corner, and that's exciting. Now, do you definitively mm-hmm. know? Is it just coming out digitally? Is it coming out as CDs? Is there going to be a late? Uh, uh, there will disc? be CDs, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it, yeah, on laser discs. Uh, digitally, I think they usually do Bandcamp, and then it'll hit Spotify two weeks later. Um, they've started talking about maybe doing some cassettes of. That would probably be the first album first, um, but that's not set in stone. Cassettes are so, so digitally, cheap digitally, to make. and I think CDs at first. Okay, all right. I my hope and my dream is that you you get to the vinyl portion. La- either Laserdisc either gets on the bandwagon, or you're able to you know find someone that'll that'll press them for you because I think you know your first record yeah. will do really well on. But you could do it maybe in forty five RPMs. Yeah, it's so short. That would that would be a good thing. See, if you do that, I just go ahead. Because then it would be like two albums in one. Because if you slowed it down, yeah, <laughs> who knows how it would turn out unless you tried it. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm thinking because it's like, what it's like forty some minutes long. I forget what the the length of your. Oh, it's a very the first album's very short. I think if you don't count the, the remixes, remixes at the end, it's like twenty four minutes. It's oh, perfect. Yeah, forty five. Uh, that's that's where it needs to be. That'd be amazing. It's like I know that Electronic Purification Records has done stuff with laser discs, as like Robert Parker's. Um, that's true. One of his. Oh God, I can't remember the. Is it Awakening? Or... Awakening. <laughs> yes, that EP. <laughs> that, that was a joint thing, so it could happen. We could try. I'd push for it. Maybe we just need to bu- bug him. And be like, you need to yeah, do bug this. Them. They need to hear from people. I think. Yeah. Uh, they're start. They're they're, they've done like one or two, and they're very slowly. I think, kind of dipping their toe in the water. But well, it's so uh, damn expensive to make the things. It's really. It's a lot. Like I feel bad. Like going to anybody and being like, please make vinyl of this. Like I don't know how well it's gonna do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're taking all the costs. Like I I sort of feel bad. But, oh, I think like you know, with your first record, it would definitely you could do a limited run pretty easily, and people eat up like all the the color variants. I mean, if you look at blood, oh, yeah. blood music, like or you know, EPR, whoever, like they're they're they release those special colors, and people buy that shit up really quick. So, although Kyle is is not a proponent of of colored vinyl, I mean, I I if it was just black. That's what I would like. But if there's going to be variants, all right. I mean, I'll it's accept It's fun. That. I mean, you're not looking at it when you're listening to it. But... 
yeah, people just like have that effector. Kyle and I have a mutual friend who's like that is his thing is like colored. Oh, you gotta variant. have all the variants. All every single variant, and I'm like, when that blood music rarity sale came out, I'm like, how much money did he sink? into getting all the variants of, like, the Ghost and Perturbator albums and all this. Again, the, the answer is all of it. <laughs> all of it. Every single one he didn't have. That's incredible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, there's... You have a very particular reason why you don't necessarily like it. I'm curious, you know, how that technology will progress because I continue to get records that are a little warpy and hard to listen to. Yeah, and that has to do with, I guess, the how heavy it is right the um and i know that there are certain like there are some very big labels that do vinyl for everything they do and they uh they use cheap vinyl and it's sort of surprising um it, yeah it happened i mean modern like... record pressing it's just now the demand is so high they're churning out so much i feel like mm-hmm. quality control has taken a back seat to getting the product out yeah and that's probably how it was like if you ever go and buy old Use records from the seventies or eighties; they're all trash. I don't. I've gotten some stuff from the eighties that looks like it's been like dragged behind a car in the streets, scratched <laughs> up, thin, like super thin, but it's still the flattest, best sounding stuff I have. And it's oh, like yeah. I don't even know maybe, how. Yeah, maybe they had it down better, or maybe they used something that they can't use anymore. It's, it's something that eighties magic. magic. <laughs> There's something it's about magic. it. It's probably that something that causes cancer. Probably. Yes. <laughs> nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty three. There. Something in there. Uh, probably. And I'm really curious, like who, you know, like how many pressing plants there were in the 80s i I suppose there's just a pile all of them again that's the answer all of them every place pressed records some did better than others but i will say that consistently overall i find that older records uh, tend to be flatter better unless they're scratched to hell versus new ones where like you get a brand new like you know i've got a, a magic sword ep and it's just warped to shit I will say that the one like thing that you can guarantee is trash is hip hop from the nineties on vinyl because it either didn't get released on it or the few things that did everyone who thought they were going to be a DJ tried to use it and they're just so dirty and grungy and fucked up. Oh yeah. Oh, I never even thought about the because <clears throat> like yeah, nineties were the death for it and the few things that were hip hop that came out on it, it was just like. They're thrashed. It's incredible. Um, so, you know, going back to some, some other stuff, I mean, what are some other things that you throw into your music? Is it, you know, are you just kind of like telling a story kind of thing? Or, you know, you said you, you bring out like a traditional song structure a little bit. I will say, tell us about the Godzilla influence in it. Yeah, lives. please. That's. Oh. Um,. I don't really know where that came from at the time. I just, uh, I think I was messing around with a pedal that I had gotten. Uh, Brennan the Juno threw it. And I just started it, like playing that, that first part, which probably no one's heard because you have to have the vinyl. Um, but, uh, I think there's an Instagram video I have of when I was doing it, uh, like way back. It probably was probably like last February or something. I will have to go back in time and check that out. <clears throat> And it, it it just sounded like really like menacing, like some sort of like 
monster coming out of the thing and so i made like a weird little like creature predator type sound uh on the juno 2 <clears throat> and i was like okay well this is like super like slow and sort of plotting and i was like i kind of just want it to like explode and then i was like well that's godzilla trash in the city and so it just sort of went from there um uh yeah that's really, and that's, <laughs> that's that's really it. all there is to it and like me just thinking about it listening to it like the way that it starts out you know like you said it's a little bit slower and with what the title is you know it lives i almost thought of like speaking specifically of the beginning like the thing yeah i kind of wanted to be a bit ambiguous about it you know it sort of had that feeling too but yes then like you said it explodes into something that's awesome so sick that's awesome fanboying again <laughs> stop it Kyle. stop it so you know you're talking about a little bit like how you know the, the age of the internet and do you perform live is that a thing that you'll ever consider doing i know some people have recently retired from doing live stuff altogether uh personally i don't really have a desire to play this kind of music live um just i mean that's the whole thing you got to develop like to be a good to be good you know you got there's equipment you have to have to some extent um you got to practice it. You got to like make versions of the, tra- like, I mean, some people, I guess, just do like a DJ set of their stuff where they play the songs and space maybe bar. Do, yeah. Yeah. Space bar. And like maybe do some <laughs> filters, uh, which is its own thing. Um, and then some people like play, I'm a terrible keyboard player. Like I'm not good enough to perform. Like I, a lot of my songs, it's like mostly sequence stuff. So there wouldn't be stuff for me to play a lot of the time. I don't know. It's just a headache and I wouldn't get much out of it. I don't think, uh, so I don't have a. I think my time is better spent writing new music. I, I, um, I'm not going to argue with you on that point. Respect. Yeah, respect. But I, mean, I wouldn't turn that like if there was a show with one of my like really good friends, like Tone Box or Lucy in Disguise or Wave Shaper or somebody. Oh, you know, uh, that's. I, I would. I would play that. I would be like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll figure it out. So you, uh, I don't know. Do I do I spoil it? Because I mean, that could be a good thing. So we we know we know Jonas and we know Stephen, and oh. so they're going to be coming up. So Stephen's actually coming up in March to play in the in Minneapolis, and then we're and then Jonas and Stephen are coming back in July August ish to play in the Minneapolis market. So we're we're nice. lure we're they're luring. Like, they're like two of my like closest buds. That's amazing. I love that. And it's. Awesome to hear. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> yeah, and they're you know they're both really great guys. So, um, because you know we have you know Galaxy eighty, who is in our area. He's one of our Mike is one of our good buds, and um, and there's a lot of people that you know everyone knows each other. It's it's kind of incredible like who you talk to and who's like yeah I know I know this person or that person or the other person and everyone's sort of interconnected with one another and. So we're going to keep that in mind. We might hold you to that because, uh, because uh, you know, I could, we could probably sweet-talk Jonas into sweet-talking you into doing it. But, yeah, I mean, we've the three of us and uh, our other friend, uh, Mike, have talked about doing some sort of, like, mini-tour or something at some point. But That would be incredible. It, that would be. <laughs> like, seriously? Nothing hard. Well, I would love that just to, I mean, just to hang out with them because, uh, like Tonebox has worked on all my stuff. Like he's mixed a bunch of stuff and mastered pretty much everything I've done. Um, well, that makes sense then. And then I've 
kind of collaborated with all of them in various ways. Um, and they're just like really like I, I mean, I talk to particularly Jonas. I talk to him like almost every day. <laughs> that is awesome. So I think we would it would just be us like bros hanging out, which would be sweet. It is a small world. God, I, I, I should not be surprised really in reality, like how many people know each other and, and, you know, and yeah. as far as that goes, but, uh, so, you know, Nitro Wave TC is, is the, you know, both Kyle and I are part of, of the Synthwave community here in Minneapolis. And that's mm-hmm. one of our, you know, things that we, we help push here. And, you know, so again, Lucy, Steven is, you know, coming in March and then again in the fall and with, with Jonas and, you know, it takes a little cajoling because, you know, like, as you said, like, not everyone really does this to to do it live you know like it's kind he of does not... he's very good at it. like the two of them i think too but you're right like not everyone even does it at all at, at all so you know it's it's interesting to see and, and i always appreciate it when you know people take that risk because like you drag all that stuff out of the basement you don't know what's gonna happen like you know you start reconnect you take it out of the the, the where your, your studio is and then you reconnect it and, and then you do it in front of people and it sometimes it's low stakes and sometimes there's hundreds of people in front of you and you've got to you know make it work and it doesn't always work so i you know yeah some people press the space bar but even when you hook all the stuff up stuff could go wrong Oh yeah, I'm. I was. I did, I don't mean to deride if it, if it came across that way. Oh like, no, I don't think you did. Uh, that's. I think that's a perfectly valid. Like, th- I mean, that's what Giorgio Moroder does. He just shows. He shows up and he does a DJ set of his own material. And, and if I play live, it would honestly be pretty close to that. Just maybe playing the lead or something um, well, every once in a while. Well, and, and I think like Com Trues even does that. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. You're out there. You're doing it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, with this kind of music, I mean, it's less about watching the performance because even if they were like, keyboard is not an interesting instrument to watch, you know. Unless you're doing a guitar. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. How did I forget about that? Wild card. That's Wild what card that is. factor on that that situation <laughs> right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, to to me, like, you know, I I think part of the the allure of it and what I like about the scene is like, it's the ability to just hang out and talk to the the people afterwards or beforehand and whatever it is, you know, like, yeah, the artists are much more accessible and 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 that's a hundred percent true. And I love that about the scene. You know, I really haven't, you know, maybe other than that, there's a name that was mentioned that's maybe less accessible, but for the most part, everyone's pretty accessible and everyone's really, Mm -hmm. you know, like genuine and, and grateful and, and you could have calm. And I feel like everyone in this scene, like, there's a through line. You could find a conversation point with most people that are, you know, if you like synthwave, there's about 15, 16 things you can talk about that is yeah, you easy. You probably talk to everyone about John Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, just this interview right here, I, I was just like, hey, be on, do you want to be on my show? Yes. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that was great. That was about the, the quickest, easiest thing ever. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. So, and and that's what I love about it, you know, is the accessibility of folks. So even if, like, someone's playing a, a basically a DJ set, I don't really care. We got to hang out with Com Trues after a show. You know, he was came up to the show afterwards and talked talk to everyone and, and took pictures and signed autographs and did all the stuff. And, you know, like, that's pretty cool. I really appreciate that. And, you know, coming from, like, the metal scene myself where there's a lot more 
elitism and kind of snobbery, it's just really refreshing to have that kind of a, an attitude uh, where you're just able to have a regular conversation with somebody. Yes, the interaction within the synthwave scene is definitely much better. And I just feel like everyone's so involved with it, whether it be artists, whether it be fans, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like everyone is brought together by a similar thing. And it's been the, the coolest, the chillest, and the most friendly scene as far as music goes that I've been involved in. I'd agree with that. Yeah. You've been in a few, so you, you know, like, I, I, I trust what you're saying. Um, so that's exciting. I'm still kind of, like, fixated on, like, a Lucy in Disguise, Baldo Caster, a Tonebox <laughs> show, to me is, like, how do you get better than that? You can make it happen. Maybe. 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 <laughs> that would be... Yeah, I'm sorry. That's like that to me sounds like a good time. So I, we're gonna be pressing you. Just so you know, we're gonna be pressing you. <laughs> okay. It's it'll be good. It'll be fun. We know how to contact you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and you know, and that's interesting. So have you had other interactions with other synthwave scenes? Because they they seem to be popping up, you know, kind of in places you wouldn't necessarily expect. You know, like. Portland, they've got a very strong synthwave scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I find that really nice. It's not this, like, it's either L.A. or New York or London, and then those are the scenes, and that's where the stuff is happening. Like, the synthwave, like, Helsinki has a synthwave scene. Like, that's kind of a strange thing to think about. Yeah, it's weird, and it's, like, strange even internationally. Like, Helsinki, like, countries, certain countries, like, Sweden is just kicking everybody's ass kind of and like france with any electronic genre was always oh my god um it's very strange and it's like yeah they're not i mean the big cities i'm sure have tons of stuff like i know there's a lot of stuff in san diego and things but it's really cool how like someone in portland or minneapolis just decides all right we're doing this and there's enough people interested to to maintain like these monthly shows and the weirdest thing is is like new york is not a destination that's the one thing I, I still don't. Is it not? Know. It's not. I, I not that I am aware of, at least. They've they've got the um, what is it? Night Nightwave. It's and right, isn't that New York? I don't even know. I haven't heard. <laughs> like it's off my radar. If that is the case, I think I think they have like a monthly show and they'll do like events and stuff. Yeah, I've never been. But... I and I haven't even honestly haven't even heard of it. Like I know about Helsinki, and I you know I know a lot of those guys over there, and that's that's one of the things that I'm most like surprised and thankful for is like being like you have something in common with someone from another country enough to bond you as friends. And, and you know, those mm-hmm. people over there, they're just really, it's great. It's fantastic. And one of the things that I've talked about in our previous show is, and this is my hypothesis is that eighties culture overall is the first culture like broadcasted simultaneously throughout the world with the advent of satellite and cable television, like the same thing on MTV or wherever played in the United States, in Moscow, in Europe, in South America, in a lot of these places. So a lot of us of a certain age universally have a kind of like a, a common influence 
that all makes sense because it's it's like everything other than music too it's like all the movies the movie even when you look at like there's tons of like 70s throwback like rock bands like bands that are are trying to be led zeppelin and stuff like that and but there are pretty much all from america the uk or sweden like there's not a lot of you don't see all these other countries right and and you see them in the 80s (laughs) it's like the most worldwide thing you could pretty much get along with anyone if you're referencing like Blade Runner or the thing or whatever it is like that just seems to be the common like mm-hmm. language and influence of everyone and like oh yeah and like and then you just immediately know hey if you like this thing then we're probably gonna get along and it's gonna be great and there's no issues like uh because like I keep I'm surprised like South America Brazil has a pretty strong synthwave scene which I'm starting to discover which I shouldn't be surprised but I'm sort of surprised at um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, again, like Portland or Minneapolis or Atlanta, like those. And are... I guess just the instrumental nature of it, for the most part, yeah, probably it's... makes it like where it doesn't matter that it's from Brazil. You can't even tell, you know, uh, unless they're infusing that into the music itself. Right. But um, it doesn't really it's seem not like you can't understand the Portuguese lyrics or something. Right. And it, I don't even think that necessarily matters. I think, you know, like there just seems to be a commonality of mindset, I think, to people in the scene where a lot of those kinds of things don't really matter. You just, you appreciate the, the mood. Cause I think like one of the things that I've talked about in previous episodes with other folks is like, there's a, there's a mindset. Synthwave is more, almost more a mindset than it is necessarily a defined like musical structure or set of synths you have to use. Like there's a, there's an approach to it and an openness to it that, you know, if you're into that, then anything goes again the, the exciting things that are happening like you just never know like again listening to you music versus like other folks like there's a there's a, a thematic thread maybe that ties together but it's all very different was that a question or a statement no, that was a statement <laughs> <laughs> that was a statement to make a to make another statement to okay where where are you going <laughs> Oh, Eric's got to pee. He'll be right back. We'll edit that out, of course. We'll just take a quick pause until he gets back here. Okay. Definitely get some water here. I need some of that. Oh, yeah. And again, thank you for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Very much appreciate it's nice to that. Feel, it's nice to feel wanted. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be. <laughs> you're definitely doing something very right with the music that you're making. Thank you. Not a problem. So, like, are, I mean, I think you mentioned New York. Like, are you in New York proper? Or are you oh, no, else? I'm in North Carolina. I drove oh. up to New York from here to get that. You know. Ah, okay. That's where it was. That's okay. <clears throat> yeah. Where I'm, in North I'm Carolina in, are you? I'm in uh, Raleigh. Okay. I've got a buddy who lives like about an hour away from there. And he's always complaining about North Carolina. I don't know if you yeah, want to complain about it, if there's anything <laughs> terrible about uh, it. It's, there's pluses and minuses. <laughs> As with any place you live. Yes. yes. The weather here is definitely a plus and minus that we have to deal with in yeah. Minnesota. 
it's really terrible. <laughs> I've, I've <heard laughs> to be yeah. honest, it's really bad. It's mostly bad. My, I, my uncle lived there for a bit, and he was like, sometimes you go outside, and if you're there for 30 minutes, you die. It's That is 100% true. That's correct. <laughs> it's like, that's awful. Uh, it's, it, it hurts to, like, it will physically cause you pain to breathe sometimes. It's so cold here. But then again, it will get over 100 degrees and, and be like 100% humidity here, too. Right. Tropical humidity in Minnesota. Oh. Yeah. It's crazy. I like for my job, I sell building materials to contractors who make houses and stuff. And I was talking today with one of my guys who was just like, Yeah, you know, like you talk to some people and there's building codes for certain regions in the country. And due to those, you know, it affects how you have to do things. But it's like we have humidity and stuff and heat that's the same as building in Florida. But we also have cold and the other things that relate to things that are way in, like, northern Canada where it gets really cold. So it's just like, what building code do you make at? Because we're all over the place. And it's just like, it's very confusing. I'm surprised anything lasts here. It's, yes. (laughs) I went outside and I'm still alive. How did that happen? I didn't. I was out there for more than half an hour, so I don't know how I didn't die. Yeah, that's that's the one. And the thing is, like, we complain about it, and yet we never move. We're still here. <laughs> you have that option to leave. It's, or do we have that oh, option? Are we now. stuck here because uh, of I factors? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a thing. I, I curse my ancestors for choosing Minnesota to live. <laughs> I, I have a whole side of southern like Kentucky relatives, so I don't understand. I don't understand how how this happened. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> I saw a great meme today. It was just like. When you're balls deep in an Alabama girl, and she says that, like, you fuck better than my uncle. <laughs> and the picture was, like, Adam Driver from whatever movie you just did on Netflix. And it was yeah, like, don't married. ever compare me to my father. <laughs> That's prejudice. It's not. <laughs> Um, I'm originally from Texas. I'm from the South. <laughs> maybe that makes it okay. I don't know. Probably not, but no, maybe. No, not at all. Sorry, you've lived here most of your life. It doesn't count. It's this is okay. Now this is where we're getting on the tangent thing. This is like my zone right here. <laughs> this, is where you live. this is where I thrive at this point. So, anyways. We're bringing gonna, it we're, back. We're gonna zone it back in. We're gonna, I'm gonna rein you in, Kyle. Um, so obviously, we talked about how supportive the synthwave scene is. And um, do you? Is there a balance for you? Like, do you try to avoid listening to synthwave or other people? Um, are you like into the scene? Do you like the music in a general sense? Uh that's probably changed over time. I th- I think I. I probably listened to way less than I when I was starting out it all seemed so fresh <clears throat> probably now I probably mostly listen to other stuff or like I really have always liked the the artists that are on the fringes of the genres because they're like doing more interesting things to me and mixing in other stuff like uh makeup and vanity set is a really probably the strongest one like that where he's 
sometimes he's synth wave, sometimes he's not. Um, and I think that's that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, uh, but I probably don't listen to like I'm not listening to like synthwave 24 seven now. That's so like, and that's mo- that's mostly just like to survive. Like I think my music would not that that music is bad, but I feel like if you're just listening to the stuff you're making and, st- and listening all within the same genre, I think it and you're not pulling from outside stuff, it'll start to just get sort of diluted in yeah. your own music. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, and I think like. Um, you know, again, continuing to pull from outside research, be whatever it is, because, you know, we've had guests on like 80s yeah. hip hop is my the most influential thing or Miami bass is the most influential thing to me. And you're like, you're making synthwave music. How does that translate? But, you know what? It just uh, works. I, I see it 100 percent how that translates yeah. to Miami bass, because that is strictly an 80s thing, too. So. Indeed. That's, uh, you know, touche. You got a, you got a great point. Uh there so like you know i i agree i think when you if you're especially if you're creative there's a risk of contamination of yeah. sound but i mean sometimes i'll just put on put it on and just crank some some super synthwave stuff I mean, whatever it's good stuff you know overall i think yeah i you know and i i typically for me i either listen to things that are from the 80s direct or I listen to synthwave. Like that's kind of like the two things. Like, it's either direct yeah. or influenced by. It, it, that's kind of my two modes, and and not that I'm like. And I, yeah, that can be a great well to draw from, like all the Tears for Fears and Human League kind of. I mean, I mean, there's such a broad. There's all the pop too. Yeah, all of the the you know the the synth pop, Yaz and you know like Depeche oh, Mode. That's and, one of my favorite. I love Yaz yeah. so much. So just so you know, okay. I I finished. I found. Uh, upstairs at Eric's on vinyl, uh, um, in a in a record store. So my goal was I like I I bought both of those records in a store and I didn't use Discogs to try and find them because if you go through Discogs you're gonna end up paying a lot of money because they're you know yeah. inflated. So I found like their second album for two dollars uh, on vinyl and I found their second yeah. album on vinyl or their first album on vinyl for seven dollars and I felt like I'd won That's the ridiculous. world. I've never seen any of their stuff anywhere, and it makes me sad. <laughs> if you uh, look, that, you search. upstairs at Eric sounds so he made all the drums on a synth. Like those are all a pro, a pro one, which is like people do that. People make drums and percussions, and but to literally all the sounds are from that. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, you if you listen to that, like there's a few things that I listen to that are from the '80s that, like, if they were released today, they would fly. They as modern and contemporary like i think yaz is one of those things mm-hmm. where like you've got you know allison's vocals and and obviously vince's like his music like it just works and to think that they did that stuff like yes it's digital but it's analog like they had to like do that in real life and put it on tape and put it on all like the intensity to make that those albums is incredible yeah I'm glad you're a fan of Yes. That really makes me happy. Is the moral of the story? Because I like. There's some people that get it, you know, like people in in the scene, like you know, like, but they're like, you know, they, it's Depeche Mode or, or you know, like um, Erasure or you know, like, but that's a mm-hmm. little forgotten gem in between everything that people kind of don't know about, and it makes me happy. Now, I I really tend to, and I feel like I maybe subconsciously probably try to do this a lot, but I really gravitate towards 
listening to stuff where it's like people are making the more modern instrumental, you know, music, maybe closer to what I do, but they're drawing from the style and the sounds of like the tracks of yeah. like without the vocals of Yaz and Depeche Mode and Tears for Fears and all those awesome artists where it's just like, okay. or Human League is another huge one for me. I love, yeah. love that band so much. Because um, I was, I was going to ask Depeche Mode, yes or no? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm probably not super, I'm not incredibly versed in their catalog. Um, I just have a couple things that I listen to, but I love it. I don't know if there's anyone who would say no. I would be interested yeah, to see I mean, if someone would say They probably just haven't no. listened to him enough. If Honestly, no. I've been made fun of so many times for liking Depeche Mode. I've been called derogatory names for liking Depeche Mode. When I mean, and by they, who? They changed a lot. Like, there's if you only were familiar with a certain song, I, I could maybe see it. Uh, I, I, listen, I, that, we're not going to get into that tangent level. My per- <laughs> listen, we're not going to, I guess like, what I was implying is that there's some really bad Depeche Mode. Yeah, there is some really bad Depeche Mode. We're not going to, like, dig through my personal pain with Depeche Mode and, like, being, like, out there and loving Depeche Mode. Uh, and, yes, there is some trash. Like, there's, they definitely have stronger and weaker things, depending and, and, and whatnot, you know, the, the, after songs of faith and devotion kind of got a little sketch for those guys. They were a little, and then two thousands, they kind of get Delta machine is a great album, but anyways, I digress. Like, so that, you know, and that's, that's a great, and having that commonality, like, of like, I like Depeche Mode or Yaz or human league or, or whatever it is. Like that's a, uh, I just, it seems to be like, most people don't understand that. Like, you know, if you, most people in the scene have a day job where they have to go out and interact with everyday folks, and that's just not a thing that people understand. You come to the synthwave world, whether you're listening to the artist or the artists themselves making music, like, those are things that everyone can kind of relate to and be a part of and, and bond over, which I really appreciate. Because, again, yes. It's not that many people, other than the synthwave world, that people are like, yeah, Yaz is amazing. Yazoo. Yazoo. Let's do this. <laughs> Sorry, for those that are listening. Yaz, does, do you and Kyle know the story why they're shortened to Yaz in America? Yeah, wasn't that there was a record label or something with that name or something? Uh, was there, another, there was another artist called Yazoo. Oh, another artist. Yeah. That's just my bit of tri- stupid trivia. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody out there isn't going to know that, so this is very educational. Yeah. There's a great YouTube documentary on Yazoo, which is worth watching because it, it's such a great thing. Because it's good. Because it's good. Um, I to check that out. You should. It's like an hour and a half long. My brother turned me on to YouTube documentaries. I'm like, don't even like, cause he's like, he's at first going like, yeah, I watched, I watched all my documentaries on YouTube. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That sounds like a way to get some bad information. That's exactly <laughs> correct. That's, I mean, that's probably true. It's probably, but, but there's some great stuff. There's some good stuff on there. I'm, I've actually been really surprised. Like the Yazoo doc, and it's not like bullshit. It's like, it's interviews with Vince Clark and Allison Moya. Like, so it's like well put together and in, in constructed the story of Yazoo. So, you know, there are some stuff on there that you can. The bullshit factor is reduced. It's reduced, <laughs> at least in this one instance. 
So, um, new album, February, going to be announced way before this album, or before this episode actually comes out. Um, mm-hmm. Do you... Uh, so you're you're about like five weeks out for this episode before this episode airs. It'll probably be right about then when the album comes out. So do you want to announce the album? Does is there anything that you want to like kind of just put out there? Anything that people need to know coming into it? Uh, it's uh, it's a little more a little more modern, a little more dancey, but still kind of the journey spacey elements. Um, but it's called Mirage, and it's coming out. Laser discs, and I have a hilarious video that one of my uh, at work, my friend, is an editor and cut together from old footage from this weird, weird space mutiny, like terrible movie. But it had very good space battles that he cut to one of the songs. So I'm trying to figure out how to release that. So not only that, we get a video that's going. You to get a video. That's amazing. I am very excited about this uh, record, and I'm sure you know. And the thing is, is like. It seems like Baldo Caster is a hidden gem, like, and it, and that's not so much an insult, but like, again, no, I'm a, I'm very okay with that. You know, <laughs> we're like Kyle discovered it, and then Kyle's like, you need to fucking check this out. Yeah, and, and I listen to it, and I'm like, what the? How the fuck did I not hear this? Because like, I hear a lot of different elements in your music that are that it just it's so good. There's so it's just like, how did I not hear Baldo Caster in the context of synthwave and a larger thing? So. Um, I hope that I'm probably, I'm probably not the best about like networking. And I did that at the beginning where I tried to talk to lots of people, but I kind of just made the couple friends I talked to and, <laughs> and, then I, and then I stopped. Like I'm not a super talk, talk like small talker. So I just kind of got comfortable with like, <laughs> you like made a couple friends and you're good to go. That's yeah. a, you yeah. know, yeah. I feel you like my, the <laughs> social media business that I do. It's like, I don't, I don't try too hard. It's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot yeah. of work. But, but if people reach out to me, like people ask me questions, like I love talking to, you know, interested people. Um, I'm just not reaching out. <laughs> I'm kind of bad about that. But, but it's, and it's like, again, I have to say like, I'm embarrassed that I did not know about you before this. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's so bad. But that you know, I you're mean, making up you, for it. The thing is, how do you get found? Like, I guess everyone's different. And and honestly, um, I was having this conversation with someone who's been doing basically this retro themed music for over ten years before synthwave really even was a thing. He was doing retro funk, and yeah, no one really knows about him. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do. What is the internet? What is social media? How do you? What's uh, the right? What's the right thing to do? How many people do you talk to? Is there a right? Th- I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, I, no. you know, um, and so it's it's a pleasant surprise, and, and and I think there's there's lots of that in the scene, and and that's why I continue to embrace, you know, this the whole thing in general is because again, like listening to Baldo Caster is really exciting, and the first time you hear it is really exciting, versus like something is going on in rock right now. Like I'm just not interested anymore in anything that is happening mm. in rock music. No. Hip hop doesn't really, no, that's what no, happened to me. You know, hip hop's not really exciting to me anymore. Everything seems to be really derivative. And this is the only place where I feel like creativity and, and interesting things are happening. <laughs> this is the one area where like 
old crusty curmudgeon people <laughs> who are in their 30s could be like, this is the thing I really like. This It's like new, but it's not new and it's old and we can really like it. I, th- yeah, I know. Weird. It's kind of a shitty a way to strange, look at it. A strange it. paradox. Yeah, don't don't sell it that way, Kyle. Settle down. Um, so do you have like any like artists reaching out to you i mean is that or or is it mostly fans reaching out to you i'm just kind of curious like uh kind of both i guess i mean i feel like it happened a lot more in the first year or two when i was uh i don't know i guess i was more it was probably me it was probably that i was reaching out to people Mm. (laughs) and my memory is just clouded um but i yeah i still will have you know i'll talk to people uh like but it's mostly like I've kind of established probably 10 uh, artists that I I have a lot in common with and, you know, talk to. Do you want to collaborate? Work with and stuff. Okay. Yeah, uh, it depends. I would say in general, I'm not like wildly into collaborating because it's, it's pretty terrifying because, um, you know, everyone's different the way they work and like how they take criticism. Like I'm like very like it it doesn't bother me. I'm like, if this sucks, say it and then, you know, we'll start something else. Um, but not everyone's like that. And if you get it and it doesn't go well, like how do you you don't want to hurt people's I just don't uh I try to avoid that. But I've done a couple that I really, really enjoy. Like I did one with Lucy in Disguise on his last album, uh Steven, and it turned out really cool and I'm really happy with that. And I've done a few with uh my friend Kaz Pro. He like he was on one on my album and then I've have been on one or two of his. It, it's so it's gotta um, be But in general I'm not like seeking to wildly collaborate. I'm yeah. I'm only gonna do it with people I'm really familiar with, sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's more like a bonding experience with a friend. Yeah. More yeah. than uh you know, you're not like Pharrell William or whatever his name is, Pharrell, like doing yeah. his thing. Where they're just producing. And some people are like that, you know. Some people like collaborate with people they don't know, and it they're great at it. Um, it's just me. It's like super personal for me. I think that's totally fair. Pharrell Williams is a vampire. <laughs> I am positive. <laughs> yeah, isn't he like fifty? He's so old, but he doesn't look like it. In like, so on Netflix, there's like this hip hop. Evolution, evolution documentary which is amazing which is in like in 1992 he wrote rump shaker for yes. gas effects and i was like what the fuck in 92 how old was he back then how old is he now it's so crazy and it's like other I, people didn't know about that too that was so fucking long ago that, that happened. yeah i'm like rump shit like i saw the same shit and when i i'm like wait he he did what he wrote that song and like i was shocked and like the neptunes existed in 92 or 93 when that happened it's like what the fuck how long has that been (laughs) we're getting way off on tangents here and talking about other things but that's just like that's crazy he's a vampire nicholas cage is a vampire keanu reeves is a vampire i these people don't (laughs) age they don't age at all I might be a vampire. Some people say that I don't age either. I don't know. It's all the alcohol. It's preserving. It's you. I'm pickled. It's, <laughs> that's what's happened. I don't. I don't know. All right. Well, I you know, uh, new album coming out. It's exciting. Um, I hope it could, I hope both albums come out on vinyl. Laser just needs to get their shit together. And there should be some EPs 
dual EP coming out a few months after the album. Oh, hopefully. shit. Fingers crossed. Even It'll better. be the EP yeah. I put out, and then hopefully a new one um, that is done. But uh, that's not for sure yet. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I will say this. Yeah. If you haven't checked out Moonrise, check it out. It's a fantastic album. If you are a vinyl person, please, there are still copies available as far as I know. Get Dream Electric 2 on Electric Dream Records. Your track is on that. I'll just come out and say it. Probably my favorite track of 2019. It lives. Wow. Wow. Get it. Buy it. It's that good. That's a, <laughs> in the year of Power Glove, and it's it's an impressive you. That you just track has praise. spoken to me more than anything else, and I keep saying that on this show. It's it's, it's really something. It's really something that I liked. Yeah, that's I can't <laughs> deny it. It's really impressive, actually. All right. Well, again, you know, uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. It's it's fantastic, and um, you know, there's always next time. And, uh, you know, I don't have anything else. Kyle, do you have anything else? You, I, you... I said the things that I wanted to say. All right. Do you have anything else you want to you wanna get out there? You need to you need to pimp out that you want to talk about? <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I think mainly just the album. That's it. Okay. Well, appreciate you coming on. Until next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle. Motherfucking paradise arcade.